You're listening to a podcast from Newstalk ZB. Follow this and our wide range of podcasts now on iHeartRadio. G'day there and welcome to the rewrap for Wednesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB. Live from London in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB. Nailed it this morning. And this morning um, we have got uh, rising food prices. No, not here. Where Mike is. Uh, he also wants a word about public transport because he sounds like he's given it a go or at least seeing some of it go past. Um, immigration is uh, still top of Mike's mind as is... Labor's tax policy, uh, which they haven't told anybody about, but Mike thinks that he's got the inside skinny on. But before any of that, yes, so he is in London. Yesterday, it seemed like the shine was wearing off. Today, back in love with it again. Make up your mind. Uh, Mike, moving to London in June. I'm 27 years old. What would you recommend? Your comments on the weather have got me worried. Mind you, I lived in Dunedin during the flatting days. Matt, well, all I can say is get into it, mate. Um, I mean, London, to my eye, uh, is the greatest city in the world, bar none. I thought and you were off it yesterday. Enough. What's going? No, 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 no. I was, I wasn't off it. I was just seeing it in a slightly more realistic way, and 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 t- took off the old, you know, rose-tinted glasses. It's not what it was pre-COVID, but it is still pretty bloody spectacular. And if you're a 27-year-old, and your whole world and life is in front of you, and I don't know what your qualifications or what your job are, but 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 if you're coming here to to seek your fortune and seek your future and build a life and meet somebody and do, you know, geez, what a place to do it. And yes, the weather, if you could change one thing about London, actually, you'd probably change the legal slash banking system a bit, but that's not changing. So give up on that. The other thing you'd probably change if you could is is the weather a little bit. Uh, I put some sunglasses on for the first time I've been here, apart from last Saturday, which was like one out of the box. It was a spectacular day. It's generally grey, not overtly grey, but generally grey. And it's coolish, but it's it's been, to be fair, and I haven't mentioned this in the last couple of days, uh, it's it's getting better, noticeably better. It's it's not what we would call spring in New Zealand. It, it's not, you go, oh, what a lovely spring day. You'd never say that in London. You'd say, oh, God, at least it's not raining. And that's spring. And in summer, I was talking to Rod yesterday, he lives up in the north of the country, and I said, what's a, what's a really, you know, fire it up, what's a big day for you temperature-wise? He reckons, he said, he said, like on a really good summer's day, the middle of summer when she's burning, I reckon it can get to 21. And I thought, Phew, You're not really okay. selling it still? No, exactly. So you're not going to get a tan here, to be frank. But, but the history, to be honest, the people, the service... The variety. Yeah, itsy bitsy sushi you were talking about. Yeah, itsy bitsy sushi's all there. It's just anything you want, anything you dream, anything, anything's possible in a big city. And so if, if you're 27 years old and you're moving here, God bless you and good luck and stay in touch. I don't know if you noticed in there, he listed off some of the opportunities there. Uh, it's a good place to meet someone. I didn't realise that London was the hookup capital of the, of the world. There you go. That's great advice from Bachelor about the town, Mike Hosking, who's there with his wife. Uh, <laughs> the rewrap. But anyway, like I say, mixed messages uh, from Mike. Um, it sounds like he's back in love with it there. 
But then this. Um, food prices, uh, they got some stats out today on the old uh, food prices in this particular part of the world, and they're continuing to soar in, into April. So this is the food inflation as opposed to the regular inflation. So food inflation's up to 15.7% last month. It's, in a, it's an astonishing figure. I mean, even with the troubles we've got um, in New Zealand, we're not matching 157 uh, It's up from 15 in March. This is from the British Retail Consortium. Uh, so the cost of a food shop should start, they say. And I, I, I've got to get, actually, by, by the time I come home, <clears throat> Excuse me, I've got to get to the bottom of this because they're making some claims here, read the economy, that I don't understand how they're going to um, deliver. Because, I mean, you just heard from Stephen Philip Lowe at the Reserve Bank in Australia. So they thought they had it under control and that gradually they'd done enough and inflation was coming down. And so we can tick that particular box and there's suddenly whammo, another 25 points. What they're saying in Britain here is that by the end of the year, so their inflation rate's worse than ours, it's, it's, it's about 10% at the moment, ours is down to 6 point whatever it is, so they're at 10, they're claiming by the end of the year that they're going to reduce their inflation to 2.9%, now 0 to 3 is your range pretty much everywhere in the world, midpoint 2, how the hell they're getting to 2.9%, and we're in May already, don't forget that. How they're getting to 2.9% by the end of the year, I have got no idea. In fact, my deep suspicion is they're not. Uh, I suspect they know they're not, and therefore I don't know why they're saying 2.9%. And when you've got food inflation still here in April at 15.7%, I really don't know what's going on. And so hang on, am I moving to London or not? You've nah, given me well, so many mixed messages. I nah, can't... Here's your thing. I'm going to say this once and for all. Where they started from and where it is, is worse. And there is no question about that. So they, things have gone up and gone up a lot. And if you were experiencing what London was or Britain was price-wise versus now, it's gone up and you're going, hell, this is expensive. This has changed a lot. But where they started from compared to where we're at or where we started from, I think was better off. Therefore, they're not as bad off materially as we are, is my summation so far, Your Honour in what I've seen of the um, the British economy. Mm, he lost me with his logic there. It got too complicated. The rewrap. Uh, can we just go back to do the trains run on time? Well, let me tell you about Sidcup. Sidcup is a small town down the line from London. We've got family there. Our daughter, who is with us, uh, could not be more excited to hook up with her grandparents. Uh, it's a commutable town, and one from which my wife used to travel from many years ago on a her OE. Anyway, Sidcup is my confirmation as to why we need to give up on our hopeless dream of providing a public transport service that everyone will use. The simple truth is public transport in New Zealand does not work, it never ha- never really has. The crazed ideology that drives the current debate is based, of course, around the idea that we're a big city or we have big cities. We don't. Uh, the purveyors of the mad thinking are often heard to say things like, look at London or New York or Paris. People use trains there and buses there, cars and congestion are the problem, which to a degree is true. But the critical mistake is we are not London or New York or Paris or anywhere close to it. What I've always argued is that public transport, for it to work, it has to work for you. Our lives are busy and complex. Public transport isn't. It's exceedingly limited. What drives public transport success is population, and we don't have that. The current debacle of a system where you can't get bus drivers and the cancellations add up to thousands per month is all the evidence you need that we are on a journey to nowhere. They cut the prices. Yes, did it help? Sort of. But it didn't fix it. I mean, working from home now has changed the demand landscape forever, I would have thought. Our immigration settings mean we can't solve the driver problem. That's hopeless. The money they set aside hasn't even been spent, for God's sake. Tracks are closed for trains for months on end through lack of maintenance. This entire thing has been driven by theory. 
if only is the theory. If only we had the population. If only we had the drivers. If only we had the trains or the proper tracks. And so it goes. We're pretenders. We want to replicate something we can't. Public transport works best when it's constant. When you don't need to you know, have a timetable because the service is always there set to go. We will never be able to do that. So, SIDCUP. SIDCUP, population 15,000. About the size of Mosgiel or Tokoroa. How many trains a day to London do you reckon? 92. That's four an hour. 24 hours a day. Every day. And that is why it works. Oh, well, that's certainly 92 more trains that go past my place. So, yeah, it could be, could be a point there, I suppose. The rewrap. Hey, um, so I think the upshot of all that is Mike is trying to... Uh, create his own brain drain from New Zealand to UK? Is that what's happening? So he's got to balance that out. Can he get people here? I know the Macquarie Group boss, as in Australia, immigration, she's talking about Australia, immigration and its natural resource endowments put the nation in a better position than other economies to weather a coming slump. Where have you heard that before? You heard it before on this program. Australia's economy had performed better than many others over the last 25 years. Strong immigration was the key. Immigration has picked up again, so that's going to drive underlying growth here, which will shield us a bit from the extent of the downturn of global peers. So how is it the head of Macquarie can work it out? How is it the host of a radio program can work it out? And yet the government of this country can't. And as we were talking with... um, Carmel Cepoloni, and we talked to uh, various other politicians in the last couple of days, and we go, how is it that we might get forty to 50,000 people through the doors here, but Australia's getting 400,000? They get it, we don't, and that's the unfortunate thing. Yeah, so that's all well and good. And then he went on to talk about how there's a sushi chain in the UK where you get uh, half-price uh, sushi if you work there, uh, and, and if you uh, need a meal while you're there, you get it for free. I mean, that's that's he, he's starting to tempt me over there now. Stop trying to get people to move to UK. Right, that's all I'm saying. The rewrap. Uh, what's their? Can you tell us what their tax policy is like? Is it better than ours? Probably. I'll tell you what, I think Carmel Cipollone gave us enough yesterday, didn't she? I mean, along with the previous comments from Megan Woods and Chris Hipkins, to conclude that some sort of tax attack is coming from this government as part of their re-election bid. Now, my gut says their approach will go down in history as one of the most ill-conceived mad hat ideas of the modern political era. A government in a recession, with a myriad of social and racial issues at play, adds to their burden by trying to convince New Zealanders that paying yet more tax is a good idea. Of course, what's coming is either a new top tax rate, my guess is maybe 45 cents around that, on big incomes at, say, over $250,000, and or, as one roof quite rightly punted, I think, a mansion tax, or what they will call a, a mansion tax. So the thinking is, it's an envy tax. It's a bash the rich tax. Now, there are two critical flaws in that. One, we are now dabbling around the edges. It will raise comparatively nothing. So, in other words, it's a socialist sort of window dressing. And two, it shockingly misreads the average outlook of regular New Zealanders. You see, we are aspirational. Uh, We want to work hard and we want to do well. We want to think we can achieve. And if we do, we are rewarded for that. We want to see our kids set up in a better way than us in a country that we can all be proud of. Nothing these days this government is about has any connection to that mindset. That gaslighting nonsense from Cepoloni on the show yesterday about warrior tickets for poor people says it all. Because I can afford tickets, 
And because I actually care about the country and fill out the census form, I'm different apparently. It's insulting. Anyway, a mansion tax, Los Angeles has just implemented one. 5% on sales over 5 million, even more if it's over 10 million. How they roll that out nationwide in this country, I've got no idea, given the price variance between, say, Auckland and Wellington. But it's capital gains, so their dream comes true. But only for the rich pricks, of course. But, and this is the part we don't get, you don't mess with the Kiwis' house. It's our castle, our dream. It's our statement of who we are and who we want to be. How they don't get that, I don't know. But if this is their plan, they are taking their already perilous chances of winning and setting them on fire. It's been many a year since I've seen a government this out of touch. Ironically, last time was also Labour under Helen Clark. Remember their third term? They started talking about regulating the pressure of your shower head. It did them in then. It'll do them in this time as well. I got no problem with the uh, regulated showerhead policy as long as they regulate it stronger, like, as strong as possible. No more weak showers anywhere. That's something I could definitely vote for. I'm Glenn ZB. Please do not move to London. Uh, well, not before coming back and listening to this podcast again tomorrow. Actually, I, you can do it in London. I don't care. See you then. The rewrap. The rewrap. For more from News Talk ZB, listen live, on air, or online, and keep our shows with you wherever you go with our podcasts on iHeartRadio.